You're listening to Flying Casual, a Star Wars podcast. Here's your host, Michael Canterbury. Hello there, Star Wars fans. Welcome back to Flying Casual. We are here with our monthly book club, and in this month, Holly, we read uh, a novelization of uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Is that correct? We did. We read The Rise of Skywalker novelization written by the lovely Ray Carson. Mm. Um, it was a treat. Yeah. I Well, that is my personal opinion. Yes. I found it to be a treat, um, but you guys know that I also really enjoyed the movie. Um, and I just found the novelization so much more enlightening Amen. than the movie. Absolutely. And guys, also, uh, for the first time in a long time in studio, another human being, Holly, this is weird for us. It is. Some different human interaction, and I'm loving it. In The Office Confessional, if you ever watch the television <laughs> show The Office, we've got Paige in studio. Paige, how well, is it to be back in the game, in the studio, with some human interaction? It's great. It is great, I'm not right? in my lonely basement wanting to cry, so it's nice. Hey, just wait till the studio moves to our basement, and then you'll be back in the basement, <laughs> yeah, which that happens. that's fine. That happens. And yeah. guys, I do want to point out, if you're watching this on YouTube, you probably see that we just said that we're all together, but we're not right. wearing masks. Yes. We are very safely socially distanced. That's right. Um, so I just felt like I needed to point that out. Yeah, everyone was wearing a mask while we were preparing and stuff. So keeping things socially distanced or physically distanced following those CDC guidelines. I also just got my second vaccine today. That's right, yeah. I'm a healthcare worker, so fully yeah, yeah, yeah. immunized. So we are we are nice. golden here in Chopper Base. But uh, guys, along with us via Skype, we've got Rob, Brent, Jory, and Nettie here, uh, ready to talk about this book, guys. So Holly, like you said, this. I just I feel like this is just so similar to episode three, Revenge of the Sith, um, that we re- was that the last book that we read. Um, yes. Oh, gosh, it was so long ago. Yes, I, and we do yes. these bi monthly now, so I can't remember. Uh, this one, I feel like it's right up there, right? Like this added some nice new context that the movie was really lacking, in my opinion. Okay, I agree. Um, I actually I agree so much. And um, I know we'll get into it, but this is only the second novelization of yeah. one of the films that I've read. Yeah. And so obviously Matthew Stover's novelization ranks number one out of all the novelizations that I've read. How many yeah. times can I say the word novelization? Yeah. But this one, I just thought it was so well done. I thought that Ray Carson did an awesome job of adding in the extra details that everybody wanted from the film but didn't yeah. get. Yeah. And so I was really pleased with that. Um, so this actually is now at the top of my Let's list, go. one of two of the novelizations that we've read. It, it better than Phasma? Or is that, I mean, that was one of your tops. You I guys, mean, yeah. I think that Phasma will always hold a piece of my heart your because first that time. was the first book club yeah. that we ever did. It was the first book yeah. that I picked for our Star Wars book club and everyone was just so jazzed and excited. And it was, I actually think it was not only the first book club that we did, but it yeah. was the first Star Wars book that I've ever read in my entire life. It was the first book club we did. It was the first in-person book club here we had with our friends and, and then the world got shut down. And then the world yeah. got shut down. So that was, I mean, this is, we are now at one whole year of book club. Yeah. I just Crazy. realized. Yeah, it's a lot of books. I love it. Um, so let's let's get. To it. What's great about reading these novelizations, and if you're listening to this, I mean, 
there's no need for a spoiler alert because if you're listening to a Star Wars podcast, you probably saw at least the movie. Um, so if you're looking to get some extra details, we'll surely bring those here. So, so it's nice we don't have to really recant the story. We all kind of know what happened. Um, and, and we all, I think, I think everyone agrees, even those that like the movie, like us, can agree that there's some things that are missing there that, that really just need to be flushed out a little more. Some context that, you know, this movie just, I mean, this is a classic JJ movie. It's just punching through it. And I, I tend to prefer when things are slowed down a little bit. So reading this novelization uh, was fantastic and added that extra context. But Holly, let's start with you. And what, what we're going to do is we're going to go around the horn with our book okay. club and, and bring up some good moments, I think, that we all enjoyed. And if, you know, we share in those those moments, that's fine. Let's let's talk about it uh, in depth. But Holly, what what really sticks out a, a moment of time of time in this in this novel? Michael, I remember when yeah. I was reading this book. Yes. <laughs> and I think Michael was trying to edit a podcast. And every five minutes I was like walking into the office yeah. and being like, you have to stop editing and stop. listen. Yeah. Take off your headphones and just listen to this for (laughs) a second. To what I have to tell you. Because I feel like everything that I read was my next favorite part. But really what stands out to me as one of my favorite parts of this is the story that follows Leia through this book. And I really particularly enjoy the flashbacks that she has with training with Luke. Mm. And I just, I find those very special because I feel like it brings a lot of meaning to her training Ray to be a Jedi. And I just, all of the details added in there were really special to me, especially when in the beginning of the book, Ray is kind of not feeling great about how her training is going, but feeling yeah. more optimistic about it. And Leia is kind of, I don't know, reminiscing about how she felt when Luke was training her and kind of making fun of her. And yeah. she like blew his mind with something that she was doing when she started to levitate upside down. And that was just like yeah. very special for her because he then told her, you're going to make me a better teacher. Yeah. And she was touching one of the trees on, um, oh boy, what planet are we on? Ajahn Klaas. Oh, nice. And I wrote that down. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't pull that one, but I wrote it down. Um, But she touched one of the trees and she kind of felt a spot where the tree had been damaged. And that kind of pulls her back in time because she was the one who struck that tree with her lightsaber when she was training with Luke. And the flashbacks just feel very special to me because Leia is one of my favorite characters in Star Wars. And it was really great to kind of finally see her training with Luke because we all knew that Leia is very skilled and she's very passionate and very talented. And it was cool to get that side of the story. And I remember really enjoying that when I saw it in the movie. Mm -hmm. I know some people were kind of, eh, do we like the CGI and how they pulled the faces? But I personally really enjoyed it. So getting to read a little bit more details about in the book was a treat. It was something I think that all of us were going into this novel saying, man, this this is what they need. To, they would need some more moments with Leia. They need to really offer some more background because obviously the loss of Carrie Fisher, uh, I mean, th- th- that's a huge thing to overcome, especially, um, you know, when her story needs to continue into this final chapter. And and, and what they did what they did. They, you know, they did a fine job, but it definitely was lacking. That, that cannot be... You know, mm-hmm. that cannot be swept under the rug. That's yeah. something that's very obvious. And something else that was uh, really important to me to kind of understand a little bit more about Leia, which we all kind of knew, but she really explicitly told Ray in the story. Yeah. Ray asked her, why did you stop training with Luke? Yeah. And she said, another life called to me. And I think that yeah. she was such a good politician and she was such a good diplomat that she knew that 
that was where the galaxy needed her to be. Yeah. And she really, I think she could have been a great Jedi, but she took a step back from her training to be able to focus on what she knew so well and yeah. what she thought that she could do the most help with. Yeah. Yeah, it was really impactful. Paige, did, did they do a good job of adding a little more context for, for Leia? That, that did, it, did it feel like it was enough for you? Yeah, no, I think it, it certainly helped a lot. Um, I, I've mentioned this to Holly, um, and I actually I wrote it down. It was one of the things I wrote down. Um, it, it helped so much, but it was also extremely painful for me to yeah. – to read all of the things because they really detailed a lot, which I think was important to add context to yeah. how hard it was for her to keep going throughout the, the novel and also yes. the movie that her body was really shutting down yeah. and she was fighting against that the whole time. And Luke was in her mind, like bothering her, which that was, that was funny <laughs> to me. Yeah. I think that's very yeah. in character that he would be bothering her. Exactly. Um, but that was hard for me to read personally because I also love, like, I love, and Carrie Fisher's been very important to me my whole life. Like, uh-huh. I haven't finished Princess Diaries because, like, I just can't. Yeah. Um, so that was hard for me to read personally. Um, but I think they did a much better job. And I know they, obviously, they couldn't do very much in the movie. Yeah. They only yeah. could do what they, they had a certain, like, agreement with her family, which is totally fine. Yeah. But I think that cer- that was certainly one of the better parts of the book for me, too. Absolutely. What about you guys? Who, who here uh, really, was was that a defining moment for anyone, really, in this novel? Like, wow, that that was a nice ending for, for, for Leia for me. Nettie, what, what, do, what do you think? Yeah, I say I definitely would echo everything that Holly said. Um, I really liked what they did with Leia in this. Um it's something I try not to knock against the movie too much, like how they handled Leia, because I think they did the best they could yeah. with what they had. Because um, I was really against the idea of recasting Carrie Fisher for at least this movie. If they want to go back and do like a a prequel with somebody else's layout, okay. Yeah. But I really didn't think anybody else should be finishing Leia's story. Um, so I was of that mindset going into the movie, and I think they did the best of what they could. But obviously with the novel they had a lot more freedom. And I think like Holly said, it just expounded on those relationships so much better and made her even more in depth. And um, I can't remember if it was Paige or Holly, but what, whatever they said, like the little humor moments with Hall and Luke going back to forth were yeah. really good too, just because that was a perfect example of the relationship. So I think Ray Carson did a really good job with that. Absolutely. And I got to give a shout out to Mark Thompson. I mean, one of the greatest audio uh, book readers, uh, uh, I mean, he's an actor. I, I don't know how else you put it. Um, does a great Carrie Fisher. I absolutely adore it. Uh, there's some things that Mark Thompson isn't the greatest at, Chewbacca being one of them. <laughs> yes. But his his Leia, he has down pat. Uh, uh, Paige, what really stuck out to you in the book? Was was it the Leia stuff, or was there something else that was even more pressing? No, it wasn't really that. I mean, that was important, but... Um I, I connected a lot with Ray through the whole mm. sequel trilogy. Um, I really connect with the whole found family thing, um, obviously because I'm a queer person. Yeah. That's a whole big thing for queer people. Yeah. Um, and the whole being alone, that's a whole big fear for me. Um, so the whole, like, one of the biggest gripes I had with that whole movie was that she looked like she was going to stay on that damn planet by yeah. herself. Yeah. And I was so angry about that. It made me so upset. And they fixed that by having her actually leave. And that yeah. made me so much happier. And it literally could have would taken two seconds of the movie to show that. Yeah. And it would have been so much more fulfilling to show that she was going back to her family where she would be happy and yeah. have a fulfilled life. Yeah. And she can do whatever she wants. Yeah. 
but they didn't do that. So, I mean, I loved all of the Ray moments in the book were great, and it showed, like, how much she cared about her family, and I really connected with her throughout the book. So that was, like, the best part for me is that yeah. they showed that she didn't stay on Tatooine, yeah. which would have been the worst thing for her. Yeah, the the end of the book is... We all understood this, this, you know, her adopting the Skywalker mm-hmm. name and, like you said, kind of being invited into this family, even though she's not blood. Mm-hmm. You got that out of the film. But, man, when I heard Luke say, we're so similar, Ray. We were both orphans, you know, on abandoned planets. And, right. and we, 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 you know, we were we were we came to this moment together. It was essentially destiny kind of bringing, boy, that just, I loved it. I loved the extra Luke stuff there. Like you said, kind of, mm-hmm. and, and, and just being in Ray's head a little more because I, I thought the last Jedi, I, I know a lot of people don't, you know, had too much. I couldn't get enough of Ray in the last, right, give me exactly. more Ray in the last exactly. Jedi. So even in this movie, I still felt like give me more Ray, but yeah, the book I think definitely did a solid job of, of bringing her out a little more. Um, what about you guys, uh, uh, Jory, any, anything to say about, um, uh, Ray that maybe stuck out in this, in this book for you? Um, the Ray stuff, I mean, and not to echo what everybody's already said, you know, just getting those extra details are, are fantastic. Um, especially just to, just to really broaden, you know, getting, Inside, you know, and, and I think we've kind of said this multiple times when we've done these book clubs, getting inside the minds of everybody, yeah. um, because you you just can't do that on screen. Yeah. Um, so the extra little bits that we get uh, from Ray, especially like you were just saying um, with Luke, um, and you know when she's on Octu, mm. and and getting. Um, you know the little little tidbits here and there um, are pretty pretty awesome. I thought that one of my favorite parts was. Um, the ending scene um, yeah. with Palpatine and Ray, yeah. and getting that just those extra knowledge nuggets, you know, as to um, because I actually thought in the movie it, it, they gave you a, a really fast, just like the entire movie was, yeah. it was like a fast overview of you know what really was going on. But I felt like that scene, even in double time, really kind of slowed <laughs> it down and. Uh, and and made it to where you you understood more of of uh, Palpatine's thought process. You understood, yeah. uh, you know, there because if you just look at it in the movie's perspective, it looks like, you know, he had to have a lot of things go right. Yeah, you know, it kind of looked like this vague plan of like, uh, you know, there's so many things that we could just poke pin, you know, yeah. uh, poke at, and that would have just shattered your entire plan, but. Um, there was a lot of backstory that that really helped move that along. Yes, come on. And I can say we have been reading the comics, and specifically these the New Line Darth paying Vader off. comics. Paying off, I told you it is paying off. Yeah. I don't know if this episode is going to yeah. be released by come the on. time the book club is. I don't know what order we're going to release them in. But yeah. Michael Luke and I spent some time talking about the most recent Darth Vader comic, yeah. and. In this comic, he goes and he sees the Eye of Wabbish Bog, and he gets the Wayfinder, mm. and he goes to Exegol. Yeah. Huh, that kind of sounds a lot like somebody in this novel. Yeah. And we were all talking about, you know, like, what is the plan here? Mm. Like, where, like, where is this going? Is, like, does Palpatine have a plan for this? Is Darth Vader, v- like, deviating from Palpatine's plan? And I feel like this novelization kind of, like, makes that all click, and it kind yeah. of answers a very 
big question that everyone had. Like, how much did Palpatine know about when Darth Vader was going to be like, you know what? I am not following you, and yeah. I am changing my direction. And yeah. I feel like Ray, her being able to connect with Palpatine in these final moments and see his memories, like Jory was referencing, yeah. is a huge piece of that puzzle because yeah. you see what Palpatine was thinking and what he knew Darth Vader was going to do. He was mm-hmm. a little bit slow. Yeah. Um, he didn't realize that Vader was actually going to defect from Palpatine's plan as quickly as he was. But mm-hmm. I feel like that's a huge puzzle piece that we didn't have before. Yeah. Yeah, Brent. Okay. <clears throat> so I, I think that part where uh, Ray has that vision and she connects with him is probably one of the most important pieces in Star Wars. Let's go. Um, I oh, wish yeah. it could have made it into the movie. Um, just I, I wrote this down just because it was uh, I had to actually go back because I was listening to it on the the thing, so I had to keep going back and writing it. Um, but I'm just going to read through this here real quick. Yeah. Um, this is the part. So this is the part where she's getting ready to pass the saber to Ben um, as she's going to strike him down. Um, so what's going on here? And in, in the book, what happens is she connects and is able to get into the memory and the mind of Palpatine. Yeah. Um, and so she's going, it starts off here. So, uh, so wave after wave of triumph emitted from him, and along with it came knowledge, memories. Maybe it was their shared blood that allowed for her to see his thoughts, but somehow she could. And Ray saw it then, how he'd done it, what he was about to do again. And this is where it, now it kicks into the vision where she goes back. So falling, falling, falling down a massive shaft, the betrayal sharp and stinging, a figure high above, black clad and helmeted and shrinking fast. His very own apprentice had turned against him, the way he himself had turned against Plagueis, whose secret to immortality he had stolen. Plagueis had not acted fast enough in his own moment of death, but Sidious, sensing the flickering light in his apprentice, had been ready for years. So the falling, dying emperor called on all the dark power of the Force to thrust his consciousness far, far away to a secret place he had been preparing. His body was dead, an empty vessel long before it found the bottom of the shaft. And in his mind jolted to a new awareness in a new body, a painful one, a temporary one. It was too soon. The secret place had not been completed his preparations. The trans... Uh, oh, the transfer was imperfect. Let's see. Uh, and the clone body wasn't there. Perhaps Plagueis was having the last laugh after all. <laughs> yep. That's good and extra dialogue, if I'm being honest. <laughs> because Palpatine was trapped in a broken, dying form. The heretics of the Sith turned, found him, splicing... <laughs> yeah. Bolstering tissue, creating unnamed abominations <laughs> in the hope that one of these strand casts would succeed and become <laughs> a worthy... Okay, okay. Receptacle. <laughs> Have to do some post-production here. <laughs> Hold on, bud. Anyway, um, sacrifice anything to create a to create a, uh, a cradle for their god's consciousness. You, three-year-old. <laughs> Nothing worked, but their effort was not in vain. <laughs> He's like, I do not want you to read this emperor dialogue. He is not having it. <laughs> A not quite identical clone, his son. But he was useless, powerless failure. Palpatine couldn't even bear to look upon such disappointing ordinariness. You, crazy. 
Anyway, it goes on from there. I'll just try to summarize now because it's not going to be. But then it goes to the vision shift, and she sees Luke sitting cross-legged at the island of Octo, with effort as he projected himself onto the battlefield of Crate. Yeah. And yet another flash, this time of Leia in her jungle quarters, giving everything she had to send a final thought to Ben. Um, and I just think the fact that they're implying that these are all the same force powers used differently. Um, and just to see how close and parallel the dark side is to the light side and using these powers. And it's just, you know, just it's so close. Like, basically, Luke's force projection, her passing the saber, Leia talking, Palpatine shoving himself across everything. And then from there, you take the next step up and you get to Qui-Gon getting himself away and then Luke and everyone going to the force ghost. Yeah. And it's just, it's awesome. And all they had to do was put that little vision in, tie everything together, it would have been bitching. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Oh and, my gosh. Yeah. Little effort. Just a little effort. <laughs> Ten okay. more minutes. God. And it's like Ray almost is kind of like tying it all together too. Like she is a part of Palpatine. She's a part of the Skywalkers. Like it's just and I, I, I yes. personally I love that they've added these I mean I, well personally yes a lot of people who don't like Ray who say she's too powerful she's a Mary Sue or whatever aren't going to like the fact that this book gave her more powers uh, but Rob I want to go to you because I know you're a big fan of Ray's and I know you're a big fan of these <laughs> these force powers so I, yeah. I was blown away reading this that like Ray can almost like read people's memories or even go to like when she was at the the uh um, Amberu uh, and uh, why do I forget his Uncle Owen's uh, <laughs> Lars Homestead? Uh, the, yeah, the, the Lars Homestead, uh, almost mm-hmm. having visions of of Anakin and and seeing memories of this area. Like, uh, did you think that was super cool? Like, I, I, I was blown away. I thought. Okay, so I didn't know we were going to get right into the like Brent really just dropped a bomb. I thought that was going to be at the end of the podcast because I love that part. But at the same time, I think it's it's like what he said. It melded everything together. I love this is why Rise of the Skywalker should have been a three hour movie. I'm Agreed. sorry, two parter, two parter. Please, there's just there's just so yep. much content to it, and this book. Is like I gotta feel that this book is at least five hundred percent more content, yeah. And the content answers almost everything from the past, yeah. Which is why I felt that putting Rise of the Skywalker as my number one over Return of the Jedi, which Ooh. was really hard, yeah, to do. But the reason why I did it is because the movie still answered what needed to be answered because you know that the book was gonna fill in the rest. Yeah. So I see where everybody was talking about that the movie was moving fast. Yeah. But all of the extra scenes with with Ray, the way she was able to go back and piece those things together as well. And then when you started talking the force, that's just why I was waiting for the end. When I felt that everybody was talking about where did Ben go? Yeah. Ben went inside Ray. Yeah. Ben went inside Ray. And I, I wanted to kind of end with that, but I don't know if anybody else got that feeling. I got that feeling that when he went on, that he became to become one. Yeah. And that's not a Spice Girls reference or anything. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it just felt like, and then going back to what you said about Ray having the connection, uh, it was brought up about the blood connection. Yeah. It was also brought up with the dyad with, uh, with Kyle or Ben, we should say at this point. So you almost want to say, is this a double connection in a way? Did she, was she able to connect to Palpatine from the Ben angle and his angle 
that that one that's what I kind of started thinking too as well yeah. is that that would let what would have maybe helped that vision but also as I think as Brent was just or you saying is that she can read minds. We could see that, and she's very powerful. Yeah. In other discussions, we've also talked about how other Jedi can touch objects and relive everything from that previous. Yeah. So there's a lot of force, you know, powers that are unexplained, but I think in one and one the whole touching the thing and her being able to go into memories and see that, it also played back to Leia when, you know, the tree and the brought up and, you know, the hit and the flashbacks with that too. Yeah. That... All seems like that. And I want to say this too. The more I read this book, it made me feel like there wasn't two sides to the force. It met, it made me feel like there was just one force. Yeah. And that those people that used it differently or however they were gifted is what ultimately led them down the path that they were going to go to. Yeah. That's yeah. what I got from that. And that's what I... Absolutely. And is that balance, my friend? I just feel like she's embodying the force in all its aspects at that point and, and just putting it to use. Yeah, yeah, Joy. Um, and and I don't know if this is wrong or it's just kind of an interpretation I got too. Uh, but what I thought was happening at that point um, was that, you know, he was starting to try the transfer already. You know, when, when we got his point of view from, um, you know, in, in Ray's thoughts was that he was already trying to push his, you know, his conscience to her. Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, that could be wrong. It could be a, a force power of hers, you know, something the force brought to her. Yeah. But what it felt like to me was uh, was kind of a transfer to her at that moment. And then, you know, and then she's obviously seeing things outside of Palpatine as well. Um, but uh, yeah, that was just kind of the way I saw it. That's interesting because that's not, I mean, <laughs> there's so many things in this novel that I wish would have been in the film because mm-hmm. I love the movie, but, like, I mean, this would have made it, like, next level. Mm-hmm. That's a really great question, though, Jory, because... It's hard to tell. Is this just like some like extra piece of the force that Ray is able to internalize, or is this something else that like Palpatine is like manipulating? I I think that she definitely she has that same power that Quinlan Voss has for sure, where she touches stuff. Yeah. And um, what's his face from Fallen Order? Oh, Cal. Cal Kestis, mm-hmm. yeah, the ginger one. Yes, yes. Um, she definitely has that, but I think that Jory's probably right, that he was probably pushing all of that on. I, that's yeah. the feeling I got from the movie, was yeah. that he was definitely trying to change into her body. That was the whole yeah. end point. Um, so I think both of those things definitely can be true. Yeah, he's, you know, I mean, he said, right, that yeah. she was the perfect vessel, and he yes. sensed when she was born. So creepy. It is, and I loved, so this, Brent is right. That moment blew me away when we're kind of getting his thoughts because it does it's i told holly the comics were going to pay off and it feels like they are um but just that you know he did he thought and he created anakin to try to create a dyad and it didn't work but then ray he senses this perfect vessel and so you're right i think that was him he's trying to get in there uh phrasing, phrasing. Uh, I, I yeah Sick. holly um Okay, so while we're on this topic, I have like I have a whole page of like Palpatine notes yeah. from this specific scene. Yeah. I was with Rob where I was like, maybe this can be like the meat and the potatoes. I've never <laughs> used that term before, but I understand it now. A vegetarian user. I am for, a vegetarian. Yes. Yeah. The yeah. Um, tofurkey. The tofurkey <laughs> yeah. and the potatoes. 
Um, I love potatoes. Anyway, okay. So all of those, like clone clones, like the yeah the failed clones and the one successful one, his son. Those were called strand casts, right? Mm. And I learned after researching some stuff after this novel and also in The Mandalorian mm-hmm. that the strand casts are just like the bioengineered entities. Um, and then a fun fact in the first season of The Mandalorian, when. Quill. Um, yeah, Quill, thank you. Mm-hmm. So he meets up, well, I guess technically Din takes the child and they find Quill, but he, Din kind of asks him like, about this child's origin, and Quill mm-hmm. says that he worked in these, like, cloning or harvesting facilities, and he's talking about these cloning facilities where Palpatine was trying to create these clones to, mm-hmm. like, use as a vessel for his spirit, and that yeah. just, like, creeped me out. Although I will say that Quill said that the child was too ugly Which to is be incorrect. one of those. <laughs> is it? I just, like... No, he's adorable. Well, yeah, I mean... I mean, no, yeah. you're right. He, no, no, He's no. not too ugly, but, like... When I yeah. think about, like, Snoke, and I think about all, like, the pieces that we saw in those creepy test tubes on yeah. Exegol and also in The Mandalorian, I'm like, there's no way that the child was uglier than those. Yeah. But anyway, I just, like, I didn't pick up on that reference in the first season of The Mandalorian until I read this book, and then I was reading some other notes that people had written about it, and I was like, yeah. oh, my God, yeah, it clicked for me then, but I didn't catch that the first time. That's a nice poll. That's a nice poll. Um, also, <laughs> yeah, Rob. if you don't mind me for two seconds, yeah. Holly, you love Leia so much, I'm surprised you have not is even read EU Leia. EU Leia is, like everything she's amazing she's awesome she fights like better than almost anybody i'm i you would love <laughs> you leia that's all i gotta say I was rob, about that. Yeah. rob i'll tell you this and i agree with you and i started to read some, michael has a lot of books like legends books and I started to read some of them and then i got really worried that i was going to start confusing legends with canon and that's, and that's just me. I know that there are people out there who, like, are like, oh, my God, that's so stupid. Like, it's so easy to differentiate the no, two. For I me, it's not. I understand why it would be hard. And so yeah. I think I would get really confused. And since we're starting the book club out with a bunch of legend stuff, I was like, I have, or, oh, my God, the opposite of that, canon stuff. Yes. And I was like, I think maybe I should keep reading the canon content that we have before moving on to the legend stuff but michael has so much leia legend stuff i will absolutely get to that one of the coolest things that they said about leia i thought was towards the end there where luke is talking about all of them and and leia and he says she was the best of all of us I, if we, at one point I thought he was going to say she was the chosen one, and I was going to say, holy shit, that's another. a game changer. But he, just saying, you know what, she was everything. She was probably, and, and it alludes to that, There, it's the same, similar situation in that moment where they're training, and he says, I'm going to learn a lot from training you. Like, she just brings... You're going to make me a better teacher. A better teacher, yeah. Like, it just, she brings so much to the table. Um, and then you look at the the certain point of view uh, short story where they talk about the Chosen One and, and Yoda and Obi-Wan are talking about mm-hmm. who should be trained. And Yoda thinks it's Leia. I mean, so it is nice that we're getting a little more background there with her and, and, and what she could have been even. Yeah. Also, what a great testament to 
Luke's character. Like, yes. as far as men in Star Wars go, Luke is great. He mm-hmm. acknowledges, like, wow, like, Leia's doing stuff that I can't do. And as much as I make fun of her for, like, Will back on Dagobah, yeah. which Leia said that she hated when he said that. But he honestly, like, recognizes, like, you are challenging. Yeah. And this is challenging me. And it's going to make me better at what I want to do. And yeah. I just think that's, like such a great moment between them two like you talk about sibling rivalry i don't know how many of you are single single children but i feel like that's like kind of a big thing especially when you're growing up and i just think it's great that these two were able to have that kind of relationship where it's competitive but not to the point that it's toxic absolutely um i gotta say yeah just a little add into that too they always say uh a great behind every great man stands a great woman this isn't more of like uh, you know, husband wife thing. I think that when you think about the powers that women have that, you know, ultimately just giving birth and then you take that and you put that into the star Wars galaxies, it just makes me feel like that they're more powerful because they're, they're more, they're just, they have more to them. They have love to them. They're more compassionate than men. Men are more likely to also, in my opinion, turn like it, they're, they're quick to anger they get going really fast. The testosterone goes. And I think that that's what always make it because it's, I mean, even go back to the movie, that was an aggressive move that Luke used and she used a passive move and he knocked him and she knocked him down. Yeah. I think that's a great point, Rob, because even in your quote, like where it says like behind every great man, like Leia wasn't someone who stand like behind a man. She was mm-hmm. like, I don't need to do that because I know what I'm doing and I am a confident woman. Yeah. I don't need a man to do this for me and me just kind of tell him what to do. I think that's yeah. an excellent point because they don't have to stand behind these men. They can just go out and do it. Yeah. Um, what, what other, what other, uh, you have any other Holly on there that you... Um, wanted to point out that I mean I feel like we got good discussion going here before I go to someone else. Are there any others that you want to point out there in particular? Oh my god, I have so many notes. There was like there was another thing that I wanted to say since Rob always talks about legends and I'm not super familiar with legends. There is a comic line called Tales of the Jedi, and something that stuck out to me in this book when we were talking about the Palpatine stuff was how Kylo recognized the ominin harness that Palpatine was hanging in. Um, Mm -hmm. and I didn't know what that was, but Kylo apparently knew what it was. And Sith history there. Yeah. Yeah. So that is something from legends that this is the first time it was brought into canon that there's a Sith King way, way back. It's a Sith Emperor. Yeah. And he had this like engineered spinal cord that kind of held him together and Mm -hmm. Kylo recognized that. And that was kind of the apparatus that was holding Palpatine together and Mm -hmm. I just thought that that was kind of a cool moment too because we got a name to what that contraption was that was holding him up which I didn't know that until I read the book because they didn't say it in the movie. To quote Elijah Wood no how would we know that? Exactly (laughs) exactly Uh, Nettie, let's let's go to you I mean we've talked a lot of of, of, a lot of Palpatine uh, because like Brent said it was that ending there, that that passage just connected everything so well. It's 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 something that we're grappling with reading the comics of, of how how much does Palpatine know that Vader is turning on him at this point? And it sure as hell sounds like he was very aware and he was planning years in advance. But is there anything outside of Palpatine that that, that really grabbed you from this book? 
Yeah, see, there definitely was. See, one quick thing about the Palpatine, I just want to say, I still don't fully understand why the movie didn't explain anything about how he came back or Vay's father. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I don't get me wrong, I love the movie to death, but I feel like that's such a big oversight and, like, problem with that movie. Um, but I also think it's really weird that neither the novelization or the movie include Palpatine's message that's supposed to take place. I'm pretty sure that's still exclusive to, like, Fortnite, which (laughs) is a really weird thing (laughs) that I still kind of nitpicky on, but that's beside the point. Um, Stepping away from Palpatine, say, there was two characters that kind of have smaller roles in the movie that I really liked, what they did with them in the book. Um, I really liked some of Lando's internal dialogue stuff. Especially when he's walking aboard the Falcon. And then there were two moments that involved Chewie that I really wish would have been in the movie. Yeah. And that's kind of weird because one of them probably would have been hard to watch because it was like, it's an interrogation. Yeah. But that moment between Kylo and Chewie, I think could have been so powerful. And then Lando finds that hollow. And like, if they could have done that right in the movie, that could have been so good. And I really wish I would have, they would have thrown that in there. Nettie, I couldn't agree more. I think, and that and it speaks to what we all have kind of said. It, I get that this is a saga and this is the ninth installment, but man, ended on a banger. Let's make this a two-parter. And I feel like they really could have done that and added some more context here. Yes, it, do I believe that that Ben Solo was redeemed and it was his mother? Yes, but there are these flashes that you see. Um, of Chewbacca kind of, you know, sharing memories with him of the past. And you can kind of sense, he sensed this light in him and Lando. Yeah. Like looking at these hollow, I feel like that would make the turn even more believable, right? That he's just kind of uh, fighting this dark there, this light. And and these moments are just kind of aiding us to see that ultimately this is where we're going. And and ultimately it will be Leia that turns him, but it's a culmination of all these moments. Am I right, Paige? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, if Twilight can do a two-parter. Yeah, um, damn it. You can, can, JJ. They all all can do it. And they had a whole alternate battle scene. So (laughs) what is your excuse? I'm waiting for the ultimate edition of Rise of Empire. Maybe that'll happen one day. Nettie, I could not agree more. Holly, he mentioned the the Ben Solo kind of history, the flashbacks with Chewbacca. Oh my God. That was so good. With the Anka Chewie thing. I I could. Oh my God. So good. Uh, I wish that that hologram of him holding Ben in his hands would have been in the movie. I'm sure you already said that. I just, Michael heard that today on on the audiobook, and he stopped what he was listening to. This is when he had his headphones in and he just stopped and he looked at me and he was like, chills. Chills. Welcome to the Ben Solo fan club. Right. I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of him. But that moment, just hearing like just a few seconds of them talking about a moment that that he called him Uncle Chewy. Let's freaking go. I, yeah. I, I just I wish we would have seen those moments. Brent, could you have used a little extra Ben Solo action? I, I don't know if it would have made the turn more believable or not. I still love that his mother ultimately brought him back. But like, would you have loved to seen that on film? Oh, I would have cried twice during the movie. Yeah, right? <laughs> Straight up. 
yeah. I mean, oh. you know, the part with Han was enough, but yeah, if yeah. they would have yeah. pulled that, then yeah, I would have been teared up twice for sure. I oh. thought um, that would have been absolutely great. Yeah, I agree with that. I wish that had been in the film. Yeah. I saw some people saying online if they if that scene had been in the film, it would have made them feel even more disgusted with Kylo slash Ben. Uh-huh. But to me. That was a moment where Kylo kind of had a realization, like, here's another lie that Palpatine told me. Yeah. Exactly. It's exactly. Via Snoke. Yeah. Like, this is something, because they said in the novel, this is something like, well, Snoke showed me that Chewie didn't love me, and I see that he loves this girl so much, but he didn't love me. And then he sees those memories. <laughs> yeah. And it's like. He gaslit him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that is. That Michael, that is gaslighting. I've asked Holly a lot of examples is. of gaslighting, and, and I've, I've been it. wrong most of the time. Michael's yeah. like Michael's that kind of like good soul that he like doesn't. Yeah. Oh my he's god! Like, I'm gonna, yeah. Stop okay. it, guys! I'm gonna cry now. <laughs> no one's ever called me okay. a like good soul. <laughs> he just doesn't understand. This, I'm ending the podcast now, so they can't change their minds. <laughs> but like, That's fantastic! Oh my god! Like, what a huge moment! Yeah. And then yeah. that would be like a big reckoning for Kylo yeah. for him to be like, "That's a huge turn." point for him because yeah. he thinks that he knows these things and he's realizing that he was misled and here's the thing yeah. just because someone was abused and you know misled their whole life doesn't mean they can't do bad things and yeah. then you know redeem themselves and still be viewed as a bad person that's fine i'm yeah. just like you can say he was abused and still he still did bad things yeah but you have to acknowledge he was gaslit his entire life Absolutely. Yes. so and they summarize it in like Five seconds yep. when he first enters that Sith temple, right? That it's just like, I've been every voice in your head. And then he goes through it. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's been the whole time. But for him to revisit those moments throughout the book and say, yeah, like, oh, my God, Palpatine told me or Snoke told me that they didn't care about me this and here. But clearly they did. Like, I'm sharing this. Like, it's inc- it's incredible. It's therapy. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have a question for you guys, because I only, I didn't really write down a lot of questions for this book club, because I feel like, I feel like there was so much that happened in this novel. We've seen the movie, we've read the book, like we have enough to talk about, but something that I didn't like about this novelization, Ray Carson wrote from Leia's point of view, when she's talking about training Ray and how it's going to be a challenge, she references Ben's betrayal. Mm. And that is what she says. That's how Leia views it. Do you guys view it as a betrayal from Ben or do you view it as him just being manipulated? Because from what I've read and what we've all known from the sequel trilogy, but also like from this novel and the comics, to me, I have a hard time viewing it as a betrayal because he was manipulated. And I feel like we've talked about this a lot with Anakin. Was he, you know, was this his choice or was he really pushed to do this more so from Palpatine and how much agency do these people have in making their own decisions when it comes to the manipulation that they're under and to me I don't see it as him betraying them I see it more as him being manipulated into making a decision is is I, I don't remember the part specifically but I mean in the force awakens she seems adamant that they're still good at him like I know it he just needs his father so is this a transformation that's happened over time or is this just, she just is like I, I don't know because I, I I think you're right. I think that I don't know. He, there's so much has happened to him, but it also shows their failures as well, right? Yeah. Uh, Jory, is it is it is it the failure of Ben Solo, or is it you know? I mean, it's a culmination of all these people around him that have let him down. 
I think it's definitely the culmination of everyone else. Um, I mean, I don't know exactly. I, it seems like he was a little bit older when, you know, he decided he was going, you know, when he burned the temple down. Yeah. Um, but from everything in his backstory um, and how he was raised, I mean, we, we get through Ben, um, especially if you read all the novels, um, uh, from seven to nine, uh, that you get little flashes of, you know, he he understands that his parents did love him. Yeah. Like, he, he knew that, and especially in this one, he talks about um, Han, eh. and, you know, still, still uh, you know, you could still smell the certain fluid or whatever it was that, you know, he liked to use, or I think it was like a grease or something, and, yeah. you know, and, and, like, he, he understood that his parents loved him, but in the same, I don't think that they were always there for the needs that he need, you know, the, for all of his needs. Yeah. Um, and so I think that, uh, you know, you start looking elsewhere for things that you're not getting. And, you know, and, and I think that having Luke try to substitute in as that parent when he already has, you know, more kids or whatever. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, and then obviously not getting everything he needed there, you know, still had the darkness in him. And, and I just, I think it's, it is all a culmination of his entire life. And I think that we could get more on that story if, uh, if Disney ever decides to give it to us. Uh, but it, for me, it's hard to, uh, don't get me wrong. He, he is still responsible for his yeah, actions. Yeah. You know, no matter what, you're always responsible for your own actions. But um, I think that the the road that he went to get there, the stat, or the cards are kind of stacked against him. Yeah, I, I don't think you could have said it any better. And, and I don't think anyone has faced the kind of trauma that Ben Solo has. I mean, with this, we learn in, in Aftermath that, you know, both parents kind of got their own thing going on and that maybe raising a family wasn't exactly their first priority that, that you know, Leia's out saving this new Republic and Han's just kind of reverting to his old self just as a, as a kind of a comfort. This, uh, this whole dad thing isn't really. So he's already kind of set up to fail and then having your family kind of abandon you and say that, you know, I can't, we can't handle you I, I imagine that sort of rejection is tough even though it's your uncle you're there to be trained you're almost setting him up then for this destiny that maybe he didn't even want right. so yeah. it's it's just it's he's been led in so many directions and i'm sure getting different answers from everyone and not to mention just palpatine himself kind of behind everything but impersonating different characters in in his life whether he had been alive or not um, thinking that his grandfather was feeling this way, thinking that there was this other master puppet of Snoke who, you know, was offering him this power, and then it was really Palpatine behind it all. It's just uh, no one in Star Wars, I think, has really dealt with anything uh, uh, like that, Holly. That makes a really interesting argument. That's what a good soul does. It, okay. It, you know what? A good what? soul, a good soul yeah. sets it up right. <laughs> Raising and I'm moving yeah, on. Yeah. Um. I just think that's a really. Jory good says he's got to go. Let's let's. Jory, you're the man. We'll catch you next time. Got kids, so. Bye, Jory. Yeah, they're they're awake. So yeah. You're brave. Uh, Ten o'clock yeah. on the dot. See you, brother. They're like 15 minutes late. So all right, see you guys. <laughs> see you, brother. Bye. I th I think that that's a really good argument for that. You know, there's that nature versus nurture conversation. Mm -hmm. So you have. Ben and you have Ray 
And both of them kind of grew up with absent parents. Yeah. But one of them turned out to do the right thing, and the other one kind of got manipulated into being a really shitty person. Yeah. And I think, you know, it kind of begs the question, at what point does that line get crossed where you're just going to turn into a bad person because of abandonment issues and trauma and, you know, all of the issues that you have growing up without a secure attachment to an adult who can kind of hopefully lead you in the right direction. Or like Paige mentioned earlier, that found family, Ray didn't find, have a found family until she met Poe and Finn. Yeah. I mean, ultimately that was really like her group. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that we really know a lot about her, like about the attachments that she made before that. And you can assume that she didn't really have any. Right. So she was kind of on her own. And so I kind of, I don't know. I just think that's an interesting conversation to have about, you know, what was it? Was it solely the manipulation from Palpatine? Ray is a Palpatine, but he either didn't really know where she was or didn't have the resources to reach her to manipulate her. I don't know. It's really interesting. It's also at the end where they all kind of embrace after the battle too. I thought that was, was, they were talking about their, their friendship and how important it was. And it was something that was even outside of the force. And, and it was, I thought it was purposeful for her to mention that and then mention like, and Ben, don't forget Ben. Ben was almost kind of an afterthought when I, when I listened to that at the end. Um, and because, you know, they barely knew each other. He was trying to kill her. Like, it makes sense that, yeah, there was a connection. We are one. And like, like Rob said, he's kind of become a part of her now. Um, but I think those attachments that she made that found family of, mm-hmm. of Finn really and, and Poe later, um, I think means more to her than the connections she's made with Luke, with Leia. It really is that I think that's the most important thing yeah. to her. And you guys can correct me if you don't agree, but to me, there's a very fine line between, I mean, her and Kylo had a very complicated relationship and it was very abusive. And to me, there's kind of a fine line between where do we allow that forgiveness to happen and how much of that like forgiveness is, let me grieve you passing because I think it gets very complicated where you get, like, Michael, you said, you know, he was trying to kill her for most of, or at least, like, yeah. convert her to the dark side for most of his existence as Kylo when he knew that she also existed. Yeah. And I just feel like there's a very fine line there between, like, okay, we're going to let her forgive him and then, like, fall in love with him mm-hmm. because I feel like that's dangerous. Yeah, I, I thought the book did a good job. Uh, Brent, let, 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 I want to hear what you think about this. The book seemed to do, yes, there's a, there seems to be a, somewhat of a romance there, but the book seemed to downplay it, especially that kiss. It was a, it was a kiss of, what was it? Acknowledgement. Yeah. Just gratitude. Gratitude. Yeah. And so it seems to kind of downplay that. And I, I think that's, was probably the right thing to do. And I think the connection that they have is a very force connection. They don't really know each other, but I thought it was, it was important for her to say, you know, when he comes to try to save her, she senses him. And she's like, this is, this is the, this is what the connection's supposed to feel like. This is what that destiny actually was meant to be. Um, both of them kind of on the light side. But what, what what did you think of that moment? I mean, did they do a good enough job of explaining that connection with those two, that it wasn't so sexual? And I know people wanted a big make-out scene, but the book seemed to downplay that a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, I thought the book did a great job of it. I mean, I didn't think it was, you know, overly sexual or romantic or anything like that during the movie or whatnot. I mean, yeah. unless you're looking at, you know, from the speed perspective or whatever. Yeah. You know, if you just save your life, you know, I'm going to give you a kiss. And, yeah. you know, Cassandra Bullock did it and Keanu, so why can't everyone else? <laughs> Don't you bring Keanu into this. Uh, Keanu can come into Star Wars anytime he wants. <laughs> Uh, I wish he would. That Enter would Keanu play. Reeves. Yeah, seriously. If he's Revan, it's yeah. over. Oh, my God. <laughs> Paige said but, no. no. I thought they, yeah, I thought they did a great job with it. And, you know, it's kind of been there, and they've had that natural connection through the entire trilogy. And, you know, just to have that. Finally, you know, he's not Kylo anymore in their first, yeah. you know, encounter together as Ben where they get stopped and breathe. You know, I thought it was fine. And, you know, just like two friends that hadn't seen each other for a long time, you know, I'm going to give you a big old hug. But, you know. So yeah. they put the kiss on screen, whatever. Absolutely. But, I mean, you know, they've, they've had a kiss in each of the trilogies between right. somebody. So true. I mean, they it would have been awkward if you didn't throw it in here in this one. That's true. Guys, I'm going to tell you, I saw the movie before Paige did. <laughs> and we were in the office. And I don't, Paige used to come over to my desk every morning. And she would just give a big sigh. It would, she would just, I would have my headphones and she'd just come up and she'd go, <sighs> and I knew it was always something. And Paige came over the morning after Michael and I had saw the Rise of Skywalker movie. And I was like, Paige, don't even start with me. As soon as you see the movie, you're going to hate it. Because I can't tell you why, but I really wanted to be like Paige. They kiss and then Ben dies. And I knew that Paige would be so upset. Why would you be so upset? Okay, well, I want to say there's different things. I feel differently now. Well, that's off. growth. Yeah. Hey, hey, with time, yeah. we, we learn. We'll right? get into that in a minute. Um, I, but I, I spoiled myself totally when I saw the movie because I, I knew it was going to be garbage. Just to be true, you said spoiled and not soiled. Spoiled. Oh. Okay. Yes. Spoiled. I had soiled myself already. No. Ew. Sick. Um, no. Okay. I, I wanted them to be together because, I mean... I was a fan of Anakin and Padme when I was younger. Yeah. That whole thing, I was—it was the whole. Th- I mean, I was an impressionable child. That's fair. Um, and that's a whole. That if that happened now, <laughs> yikes! <laughs> um, but here's the thing: if they would have developed Ben Solo and they yeah. could have done like had some time to talk and get yeah. to know each other, maybe it could have been fine. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Ray has no idea what she's doing. Yeah. She's never probably had romantic feelings for anybody. She's yeah. naive. She's naive. Yeah. She was raised by Ankar Plot for like five seconds, dropped off in uh-huh. the, the sand, and yep. like, goodbye, child. Yep. Ben's been gaslighted his whole, his whole life. Yeah. His life. life. Yeah. I'm angry. I'm Paige angry. has been drinking Coca-Cola Coca- with no rum. I can't drink. I have RA medication. Um, and then the... the I think she just did. She's like, oh, well, now you just do this. Yeah. You know, I don't think it would have been a necessarily healthy relationship. Yeah. Um, I think Ray should end up with somebody else. Yeah. But that would never happen. Um, I think they could have certainly given us a different kiss, which is what J.J. I'm sorry, I have to get into it. Which is what (laughs) J.J. Abrams um, basically said was going to happen the entire press tour to get people to see the movie. Yeah. Which makes me vehemently angry. Yeah. And that's why Oscar Isaac was literally like, this doesn't happen. It doesn't happen, period. Yeah. 
It makes me very angry. The Last Jedi did deceive us all. I think. I think the little nod that uh, Poe and her. Had oh, they there were at doing the it end, on purpose, right? though, because yeah. they were playing it that way the whole yeah. time. Because yeah. they knew Disney would not let them. That's fair. I think you're right. I think if they would have, if they would have, if they would have given us those moments like we talked about that Nettie brought up with Ben and like those flashes of light. I think it would have helped. It would have eased that kiss a little more. I think for me, yeah. and if he didn't kill his father, I feel like that was the one where he does, like, there's oh. no way he could have a healthy relationship uh, until he has a healthy relationship with himself. Exactly. Guys, I have exactly. a confession to make. Oh, oh boy, we <laughs> should I even say? No, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> We've been watching a lot of Smallville. Let's go. That's Holly. not a confession. I tell everyone that we're watching <laughs> Wait, Smallville. Two of That's... the three people are wearing flannel tonight. Yeah. Oh, okay. First shit. of all, I'm not. Paige and I are the only ones who channel their inner Clark Kent, even though Paige doesn't like Clark Kent. But we're getting to that. Now I listen. will sweat of a heat stroke if I put flannel well, on. In here it is right very now. hot in here. Yeah. That might be the bottle of wine. But yeah. I will say that. In the beginning, this is no secret, I was like, Raylo? Yeah. No, absolutely yeah. not. That yeah. is so toxic and very unhealthy, and okay. I cannot believe that Disney would even, like, approach a relationship like that. And then I've been watching Smallville, and I'm like, uh-huh. It could be far worse. Lex Luthor? Don't you dare. Uh, I'm just saying. What are you doing what, right now? And no spoilers for Holly, because she's in season five right now. Uh, season what, four. What episode? Four, sorry. Oh, Midway season four. Season, so. But... But part of me is like, how forgiving <laughs> can we be? Yeah. yeah. And how romantically evolved is this? Yeah. I don't know. It's not. But anyway, I feel like, it's like Paige, a five second thing. Paige changed a little bit. I changed a little bit. Maybe I'm a little more forgiving now. In I the think pandemic. that's fair. And I like to think that the novel probably helped with that. It may have. Um. Uh, Brent, are there any other things? I, I know that that last moment with Palpatine for all of us, and you especially, was a huge moment in this book. Is there anything else that really stuck out in this one? I, I mean, there's a few little things here and there. Let's hear them. Um, you know, let's see. So, let's see. Where's my notes? Um, That's me tonight. Where's my notes? Yeah, exactly. So, um, just going through the fact that when race, you know, when they're on Kajimi and the Star Destroyer shows up and you get Ray in the movie, you know, Ray's all of a sudden is like, oh, there's Chewie. The fact that yeah. she doesn't actually sense Chewie, she senses Kylo during their interrogation when yeah. he's torturing Chewie. And that's how he knows that Chewie is still alive because he, she senses it through Ben. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, and yes. Not that she could actually sense it. Um, and then, you know, the other part, um, when she's in the desert and he's getting her to run her down with the TIE fighter, the way it's described in the book that at that point she is in perfect balance of the force, that, you know, she's yeah. understanding that you can have calm and terror at the same time. And you can channel them both. Um, and then, you know, that's usually at that perfect piece. And she does the cool maneuver, slices the wing off. And then instantly later, she falls to the Skywalker. You know, the, the, the bane of the Skywalker is where, oh, I'm going to fall to the dark side because I have to save somebody I love. Yeah. Because, oh, there's the fear of losing Chewie and it's instant force lightning. Yeah. Um, and yeah. It's, you know, and yeah. it, it's just great. And, you know, in the book... It does a really, really good job of just setting up, you know, we kind of talked about earlier, just just the duality between the light and the dark and uh, just going through there. Like you get into the, you know, the four ceiling that she learns about the four ceiling from, you know, going through Luke's notes on how to repair his kyber crystal from the lightsaber. Yep. Um, So then you get in. Okay, so repairing the kyber crystal leads to four ceiling, which means that, you know, you get the flip side from the dark end, the dark side of it, that they're bleeding the kyber crystal, which the next step is then. Palpatine at the end where he's sucking the life from them yep. to 
bring him back. Yep. And so, you know, and then you get into that whole, you know, how are we going to gain eternal life? And then so from the cis side, you can have, you know, you can force your consciousness into another body or you can suck the life out of people to maintain the, current, the one you're currently in yeah. versus the Jedi path where you can, because they basically set up the fact that the, all the voices that she hears is from the world between worlds. Um, is yes. what they imply in the novelization. <laughs> yeah. So that's where Qui-Gon and all those who haven't achieved the full Force Ghost go to. Um, and then, so from the Jedi aspect, you have eternal life that can be gained through either in the world between worlds, which is kind of that limbo state, but you're still there, or you can fully give yourself to the Force and become that full physical manifestation like Yoda and Luke and be able to still interact in the physical world um, as a member of the Force. And it's just, you know, that this desire to have to be there in the physical prevents them from truly attaining what the Jedi have been able to figure out and that eternal life. And it's just, it's just great. It is. Yeah. yeah. Aren't they tired? I would Brent, think. Aren't they tired? Wouldn't you be tired? I would be tired. It's, it's great it though. Cause the Jedi, they're so, <laughs> it's, it, they're, they, they are like, even, even Luke, I loved that Luke was talking to Leia, and I get that we didn't want to reveal Luke so early on, and we don't see her talking to Luke, and, and that's for other reasons, Carrie Fisher not being there and stuff. But the fact that he was talking her through this and saying, hey, it's now it's time. And they know that there's more after this life, and you're so right, the Sith are hell-bent on staying in the physical here in the present. They and can't go anywhere. They can't. <laughs> and, 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 but I will say that that moment that Brent loved so much, it was in, insane as confident as Palpatine was that he could throw his consciousness across the galaxy to some creature he created. <sighs> there was still some doubt there when he was talking about killing Plagueis and how Plagueis wasn't quick enough and he's like, I've used, I've, I've learned this, this power of, of, of living forever, essentially. But then he starts to doubt himself, or have I? Is Plagueis going to be the last one laughing? It's just as confident as he was, there's still some hesitancy that I was just blown away. Rob? Oh, man. I mean, you guys have left, you guys have blown my mind, like, in every which way. And, like, the, I've got, the first thing I wrote, Sandblock's Force Powers, but then there's Pasana. And then I'm like, I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm things down. <laughs> like, but maybe that's, like, going back to it, maybe Tatooine or, or you know, and maybe Jakku had something about that planet, you know, in Star Wars and Galaxies and things like that. Yes. So, like, maybe, what's that? Rob, it's like, why do we have so many sand planets and so many issues with communicating through the Force? Anakin. Yes. Anakin. Wasn't yes. Into it. That's why Anakin <laughs> and, hated it so much. Exactly. And maybe that's how, that's why every time they, well, most of them other than Yoda, run to sand planets. Because if for some reason, even though they're outlawed or whatever, I don't know. I, I'm not going to say there's some kind of block there. Yeah. But I wanted to fly back, too, to Ray. Like, Ray, she grew up having to scavenge. So she took uh, a pea, and she cherished that pea where everything was given to Ben. And in yeah. normal society, we know how that ends up. Most of the time, you're going to have this person that's been entitled his entire life, and you're going to have the hard worker that's going to come along, and she's going to meld them together. Not Raylo, because I'll agree with Holly's <laughs> statement about I, didn't, I was always a Raylo fan, or not a Raylo fan, but I'm still not because – even in the end sequence, when they did kiss, it's still fun. I, if I remember correctly, it said 
that she just did it because it was like, ah, you're like, good job, buddy. Yeah. Like, this is your good job. You get this kiss yeah. and that. But also when you guys, when, you know, I want to say I have two daughters. I have a daughter with my ex and I have a daughter with my wife. Mm -hmm. So while we were split, even though my daughter that I was split with, she went to karate. It was a whole different life. I was secluded. So sometimes I see kind of like a rage in her because there's, she never really had that, that home boundary that she was always here or there. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you're a Senator like Leia or you're a hot shot like Han Solo, you're going to have that. And then you get with Molly and she always has the same thing. So she's more calm with the thing. So even in like Molly does mouth back, she's almost 10, but, <laughs> but I think she's more calm about her things. Whereas like Molly will understand and go to her room. Whereas like when she would go back, I only wanted to throw that in as like a relationship kind of thing. And like how kids sometimes can grow up to try to understand where Kyla was. And then y'all was always, was all over those moments. I mean, Kylo's best friend. Yeah. Married. And he was there. And, and like the whole thing that riding speeders, learning how to shoot, it seemed like Chewie was that brother, that uncle yeah. that should have been there more. But I think that in some ways is what made Kylo become more human and go back to being Ben. Just because I think when you see that, you understand why he did that. Yeah. Why he was there because Chewie knew that both Han and Leia, and this goes into the EU too, that they always were at different places and that, to me, is one of the big things. And then it started making me think about how this life was almost like Bruce Lee. How Bruce Lee, you know, was gifted as a child and was growing up. And as he became stronger and he started fighting, I won't say any, you know, we know why he was sent to America. But when he was sent to America, you know, that gave him a new start, a new humble beginning when he was working as just a waiter and things like that and trying to go back and forth before going back to Hong Kong to become this huge movie star. So I think in some ways that has it has kind of like eerie similarity when y'all were talking about that. And to me, when I'm looking back at the whole situation, Kylo always repeated, I know how this has to end. And that is why we need some memoirs. We need like a notebook. We need to see Kylo's notebook because of all these connections going on, mm. all these things going on, the constant times that he kept saying, I know what I He had these things because if he didn't do these things, nothing would have worked out. So therefore, you could almost say Kylo would be more like Qui-Gon Jinn yeah. because he was able to see you know, into the future and feel the future so that way he lit it. Now, even when in the movie, when he was first talking with Palpatine and in that whole scene, it still felt like he was cheap. Like Kylo was cheap. Kylo was just like, yeah, go spit your stuff, dude. I'm just going to use it against you. He, he keeps, like to me, that's what I took from those situations. And what I think may have melded everything together to get that final ending. And that's why that movie was so good but not the movie. The book made it even better. It answers everything, in my opinion, mostly across the board. And I, I can't, I can't, I mean, you guys like blew so much stuff. Like, you know, you talked about that. You want to talk, you talked about Lando finding that hologram. Yeah. My whole thing was that was one of my favorite parts yeah. because everybody talked about crying and 
when I was reading that, I was just, I had to take a step back. Like you said, you got chills, bro. Yeah. You got chills. <laughs> because hearing it, it was like, because that's the thing. If you're reading it, this is where I say sometimes audiobooks are better. Uh, <laughs> reading it, I don't think you feel that. When someone says it to you, you feel it. And that's what I think is the whole, the force, the whole everything. Yep. And I do want to say, Sith do go to the land beyond, uh-huh. like in the river. In the EU, they do go there. As far as the land before shadows, eh. There's, we, we can, we... there's something there. I mean, we, we, we know that uh, the Grand Inquisitor is in some sort of purgatory hell that Vader yes. and, and, and Palpatine Luke, have put yeah. him in. And Luke finds him, Luke right? Luke found him. It, it, was, it was a yep. trap. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, Rob... <laughs> You said so much. I was trying to keep up and take some notes because you said a lot and it resonated with me. And the one thing, well, there are two things that you said that I wrote notes down. One is, I think, and we see this in Star Wars a lot, question everything, which I know that you can appreciate. And especially when it comes to kids, kids question everything. Mm -hmm. And I think that we have um, a responsibility to answer their questions as best we can and be honest with them. And it's not, and Michael and I have had this conversation before. It's not like if you're a kid and you're growing up and you know, you mouth back to your parents, like you can imagine Kylo probably did to Han and Leia. Yeah. Ray didn't get the chance to have those experiences, which is very sad, but you know, like when kids hear the answer because I said so, or like, because you live in my house, like is that really acceptable for a child or do they need to know more? And it's like, you have to be honest with your kids for them to understand that there are consequences to their actions. And I think that that's something that Kylo probably or Ben didn't get at a young age because his parents were so preoccupied with other things. He was raised by a droid most of the time. Exactly. And so like that probably does lead to problems. Like, can you imagine like, you know, Molly has a question about like, why are you telling me to do this? And you're like, just go to your room and do it because I said so. I mean, she's probably going to be like, no. (laughs) Or the droid's going to watch you for the next eight hours. Exactly. And almost kill you. Yes. And and you going back into it, it's, that's exactly what you're going to get. And it's not about her like being defiant, but you have to have that chance to be defiant. The droid isn't going to be defiant to you. They're going to be like, okay, Roger or Roger. Roger, (laughs) Roger. They're just going to Roger, Roger out. And and you're not going to get that from, you know, like a real human. Whereas, you know, Ray had to learn like she had to build on her own she didn't know like she probably knew that she was gifted because she could do things you know scavenging and things like that but going back to it really from the movie standpoint her first friend the friend that we only know about I mean other than just you know other things is BB-8 BB-8 is like her first thing and that goes uh, ah and, and now 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 you now you're making me think about like the whole when Leia started reaching out stuff like yeah. when she started reaching out, we'll get to that. But kids, it, it's not that they need a structure to always become who they are. But you've seen it with Jason too. Jason was, you know, hungry for power. He was the war. He was the war god. He, you know, he was the admiral. He took down the Yuuzhan Vaughn, like you know, the whole mm. thing. Like he gets credit mostly for it. And I think that went to his head. Whereas Jaina always was like. She was steadfast. She was always the sword. She became the sword of the Jedi because she was the most like calm headed where she wouldn't let that rage out and she could fight almost as the best of them. But that that's that it's almost like a two different bringing ups. And that's why sometimes I try to compare Ben to Ray is because I think that 
they made that connection with the dyad, they had that too. So that's that's kind of like what you get is that sometimes some people can take it bad, like Kylo did, Ben did growing up, and then he resented a lot of things in life. And then whereas Ray always respected everything she got, and Jaina, I'm not going to say she made bad decisions, she did, but when she was put, and I'm, this is a spoiler for anybody, when she was given the task to take him out, that's probably got to, that's, that's even, that would be like Luke taking out Leia, which never happened. That's harder than anything you could ever want to do. But the, to do her duty, which is more Obi-Wan-like, and to take down someone that is grieving and loving and just this ultimate power to control everything, mm. you can see where it goes. So yeah. I think that's what makes Star Wars really special is that it's so relatable to people on so many mm -hmm. different levels. I mean, we've talked about parenting. We've talked about children growing up without parents. We've talked about, you know, what we like with relationships. I mean, Ben and Ray and Han and Leia and so many, I mean, Kira and Han. I mean, there's so many different dimensions to this. And I think that that is something really special that Star Wars does is it's not just like a romance story and it's not just a story of like rebellion against a dictator and there's so much more to it than that mm -hmm. and it's so relatable on so many different levels well who it's it's crazy too because we were talking about we we're talking about ben and the expectations that he had that people had on him he i mean he had his own expectations of himself right but his whole life people expected things of him it his uncle, I can't remember who said it. I don't know if it was JJ or Ryan Johnson or somebody told Mark Hamill even that um, Luke Skywalker for a time believed that Ben Solo was going to be the chosen one. So, I mean, that's a lot of expectations you're throwing on this kid. Um, his parents obviously had expectations. They thought he was bad from a young age. His mother sensed that darkness in her womb, uh, in the womb. So... Uh, I mean, you have Palpatine's expectations that he's just going to fail, or I guess I should say Snoke, that this kid's just going to fail. He's a failure. Take off that rid ridiculous mask. You're just like your father. Like, so many expectations. But then the one person who actually stuck with him and stuck it out, I mean, yeah, she stabbed him in the chest, <laughs> but was Ray. It's crazy. Even all the terrible things that she did, but her, like, like Rob was saying, her background, I mean, she really comes from nothing, and she's a bit naive, but, like, when she believes in something, she believes in something. So she believes, she's seen a vision, this guy's going to turn. She stuck with him through a lot. And I think uh, as much as his, mo uh, as his mother reaching out to him in that moment um, when Ray is stabbing him, I, I think that is really what turns him. But also him seeing that Ray has, not, she's, she's capable now. <laughs> she, she stabbed me when she was coming to try to save me, but now she's resorted to killing me. <laughs> if she goes before Palpatine, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I need to be there for her. I think that was just as powerful for him as it was, you know, his mother reaching out in the force, which was fantastic. This book did a great job. I love that Luke was talking to her. I love that they emphasize a little more about Maz saying, you know, this, she knows what she needs to do. 
Um, and, and her the weakness that she experienced throughout the entire thing, it made it more relatable to The Last Jedi. But anyway, I'm going so off what, on a tangent. What, what was your favorite part of the novel? Uh, I, I feel I, like you're the last one we haven't gotten to yet. I, 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 so much has been said. It really, it's a few moments. I, I don't even know if I can point to one. It's everything we've really talked about. I love that we got a little more time with Leia and her brother. Um, and there's some moments of comedy there that I think were just great. Um, even when he knows Leia's about to go, he's just like, Leia, it's time to go, girl. <laughs> She's like, I know when it's go- when I, when, it, when I'm going to be ready. Shut up. Um, I'm busy. Yeah. And so I loved that. <laughs> I, I loved the moments that Nettie brought up with Lando, who isn't even that, you know, he's not my favorite character. He's, he's fine, but you learn reading the comics and, and even some of the EU books, he is family. He is like an uncle here with Ben. And and so to see that, I think that could have been a very... I think you could have got Billy D to have a powerful moment. Um, and I know, once again, we wanted the surprise of him showing up in the Falcon, but I, I like that we get that backstory and to show how, how much all of these experiences have affected him, too. Like, he was part of this family. Um, and he went away to, what was is it, Pasana? Whatever that Pasana. Sam, to get away from all of this, to, to, to have some peace and quiet, because it, it has traumatized him as well. And the moment of Chewie and, and Ben, so there's too much history there. I feel like that was such an important moment, uh, him taking off the shackles of Chewie saying, go ahead, go ahead and kill me. It's almost as if he were ready to die. As if he he were at this moment of saying, "Wow, I can't. I, I I'm just gonna fail." And all the people have said all these expectations here. Go ahead, Chewie. Go ahead and end it. I, and he knew he wouldn't. But uh, I thought that was a very powerful moment that I think could have could have translated well on film, even when you're not getting you know words from Chewie and and Shri and, Shri, and Shri Wook. Um But I think that could have been a powerful moment with a flashback or something. I think that would have also helped with with Ben's transition uh, as well. And I think one of the biggest moments that ties in, like Brent said, that, 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 that memory that Ray experiences of Palpatine and his flashbacks to Plagueis and him knowing he says, I sense the light invader. It's just like, okay, that was a question I've had when we've been reading these comics that's now answered. Um, So I, I freaking loved that. Um, there's just so many moments in this book that I loved. We didn't even talk about this, but I think we've talked about another podcast. The the Lando. the yep. just talked about Lando. You brought up Lando. That's like another big part too, because it's a whole reason why he jumped out of the whole fight. Sorry to interrupt you, yeah. man, but like you really came at it. Like he jumped out of the fight because his daughter was. T- yeah, exactly. At two exactly. years old. At two years old. Exactly. Imagine <sighs> you being a parent yeah. to a two-year-old child. And the First Order kidnaps such Like, yeah. I, not to quote Eminem, but oh I would go shit on some people. If they oh, took yeah. my child from me, I would search high and low for the child. That's that was something I did like yeah. when he talked about how they took their the kids of the old generals and yeah. turned them against them. That was yeah. great to add. Yeah. I liked that. Did I like that they insinuated Jana was this kid? Because she was the only other black person. The only in the other movie. one. That, yeah. no. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I did like that addition in the book. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. We, the one thing we didn't talk about, though, was the. We mentioned, you mentioned the Eye of Webbish Bog. We've been talking yeah. about it on the podcast a lot. But I thought that moment added so much more to the, the, the Mustafar scene 
that I think was, yeah, people have been like, who's this weird guy? But you would have understood what was going well, on a little more. Well, we didn't even more. know that we I didn't were on know what Mustafar. We didn't exactly. know where we were in the beginning of yeah. the movie. Yeah. Where the hell are we? Yeah. Who are these people? Oh, how oh, would we know that? Elijah Woods. Elijah Woods. Yeah. If we had, if they had, if Jade. Yeah. JJ, I'm talking to you. If you had added a little extra detail, give me three more minutes of the film to show that we were on Mustafar and that those were the guardians to the Eye of Webbish Bog and that Kylo was mowing them down to get the Wayfinder that Darth Vader 20 years ago had also mowed guardians down with... Oh, I don't know, Ochi of Bestoon, yeah. perhaps, who is very Ochi crucial to this film. Yeah. They were there together. Yeah. Ochi and Darth Vader were right there where Kylo was at the beginning of this movie together to yeah. get this Wayfinder to make their way to Exegol. Well, and even if you're not going to show uh, the Eye of Webbish Bog, which I think could have been effective, show Vader's castle, right? right? Show the remnants of where we are. The only other important are. thing on Exegol. I feel like there are ruins there. Visually, Nettie, ne- am I wrong? Visually, I mean, seeing everyone, I don't care if you haven't read the comics, everyone knows what Vader's castle looks like some way or another. Show right. that, right? And I feel like we would know where we are. Yeah, yes, I'll, I'll agree with that. And since Luke's not on the podcast tonight, I know he's really passionate <laughs> about that point, too. Um, I remember the first time I read the novelization, when it, it was new when it first came out, I was so confused about, like, why this Eye of Webbish Bog thing just showed up. Yeah. But now that, like, it's kind of been fleshed out in the comics, it is kind of an issue or point. It's like, why wasn't this in the movie? And yeah. I'm, I don't know why, like... The Rise of Skywalker, they didn't release any deleted scenes with it when it came out right. on DVD yeah. or Disney+. Plus. Like, it's I, almost like a that conspiracy. That seems really weird to me. Thank yeah. you, Adam Driver. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I definitely agree they could have flushed out some more to realize that was Mustafa. Um, speaking of uh, fleshing out details, there was one detail added in the, um, the novel that I really liked that they make the point of Ray saying when she sees, like, the Dark Ray, like, flip out her lightsaber that she makes a comment it's like it's the exact same I was building back on yeah. yes. oh my god or whatever yeah. and like that's like one sentence there but that was like a really cool like I'm going down this path right now yeah and then she switches and makes her um, <laughs> yellow one at the end I thought that was a really yeah, but nice little moment Dark Ray was right though Nettie that would have been the best lightsaber. It would have been a sick lightsaber. And but... Dark Ray was the was great, and I would I wanted more of her. <laughs> this is and a she sore lives, subject. Well, she I... lives rent free in my mind. I love Dark Ray so much, oh. and I love that lightsaber. It is cool, but it, he's right though. It's 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 her at the end. They make yeah. a point to say. She's like, I, I'm not going to create this lightsaber that I've already started. Because that is a possibility. Because everyone her was expecting her to have a dual-bladed saber. So it make, yeah. now that makes sense. Paige, yeah. Paige, yes. you know what doesn't live rent-free in my mind? <laughs> it's the image of Ray is with this a, a Twitter thing? freaking sharp teeth. Whatever, I, I'm into it. Well. I saw that in the movie and I was like, I cannot unsee that. Now, Daisy you know Ridley, why? She didn't uh-huh. do that. That wasn't her idea. You know that wasn't her idea. Maybe she filed him down for the film. I don't know. Oh, my God. This is not the Hunger Games. Not a prosthetic. (laughs) She is not from District 2. It it just, yeah, I don't know. I thought, I think visually that would have been a nice addition. Um, And even showing just, like, some acolytes. I know we kind of see some people that Ben's fighting, but... 
Yeah, I think all of us, I don't care how sweaty you are, no one knew that was Mustafar when it first pops up on the screen. It's just... Looked sick. It's Why such is there a, a forest? Yeah, it's, it's, it, it was a cool scene. I loved it. I loved that he was mm-hmm. upending people, and it looked and awesome. in but. other Star Wars movies, they have told us where we are. Exactly. Yeah. This one did not, like... Make it like Rogue One. Mustafar. Put it on the screen. But yeah, Please. Mustafar. I'd be down. Perfect. Can I say... Yeah. Um, what, other Brent, mo- what other moments? Yeah. Well... Yeah. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I just I took a note. <laughs> that was incoherent. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh Brent was talking about that scene where Kylo they're on Pasana and Kylo's coming in his TIE fighter and mm-hmm. Ray is just like ready for him. And we yeah. saw that in the trailer to this movie and everyone thought that well that I will awesome. I know I will speak for everyone. That was a badass yeah. scene. Yeah. But Brent kind of brought that up. Well, I'm going to shamelessly plug the group for a second. Nettie, the other day in our group on Facebook, asked, you know, like, what's a scene in Star Wars that kind of gives you hope? And I didn't think about this until Brent just mentioned that scene and how, like, Kylo was coming for her and Ray was kind of just, like, one with the Force and she realized that you can have balance even though you feel terror. Mm-hmm. That, with the way that Brent described it, that was a very hopeful yeah. scene because yeah. you can be terrified but still do some badass things that are really meaningful and Nettie I would like to go back and add that to your post on Facebook because <laughs> like after Brent described that I was like that's such a great scene it's a small scene it's a yeah. small moment in that book but it like speaks volume yeah well what else what are there any other notes you have Ollie that you want to I have seen some scribbles so I don't know if you oh. those are things we talked about you want to talk about Zori Bliss I know Probably. we haven't oh, Zori Bliss hey. is on my list Rob, yeah. do you want to take it away with Zori Bliss? Because we didn't really get a lot of her in the movie. And same with Rose. Yeah. We didn't get a lot I of Zori the or Rose, Rose yeah. in the movie. And we got a lot more of them in the novelization. And I feel like that's a moment where women kind of have the opportunity to be in the films, but they aren't given it. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just say, again, going back to the whole book structure, this is why we love books. This is why this whole club exists. Because... You know, there are other people out there that don't actually read the books or even listen to the audio books. And when they listen to this, they're going to be like, what? What? And they'll go learn more and it'll help them. But I mean, just the extra scenes, like when Leia was reaching out, she also reached out to Poe. Like she reached out to him. And then, you know, going back into Zori Bliss and finally getting away. And then that that scene where she's out there with Kylo Ren and, you know, he's executing and he got... The Knights of Ren, which we find out also that the Knights of Ren were really just Palpatine's Palpatine's. playboys as well, too. Yep. So, you know, you find out so much more about it. Of course, you know, what was it? uh, Brent Brent owned me, like, totally forgetting about the whole, um, the people being raised from, and again, this comes back to me being in a truck and not listening as coherently at times, (laughs) whereas I was able to listen to it at a house. But where he only about like the people that were there on Exegol that were bred and taken to go up from there. But so much, so much extra dialogue from Leia. You know, then you had that moment with Rose and Ray, which you wouldn't really have mm-hmm. other else. And then we've we've talked about how much the Force ghosts or whatever the voices you want to call them were present in this book yeah because it explained so much more of the backstory that you needed new it explained the other things that like hey well what's going on with this person it explains the chewy why she knew chewy was alive mm-hmm. and that whole situation too now 
They could have, I, I mean, at two seconds, they could have cut to a scene to where it had, like, Kylo taking the cuffs off and Chewie being yeah. there. Like, that could have explained, I think, the movie a little better. But so much more of them getting away, you know, before that, you know, like, I'm going back to Zori, get them getting away and how they did it. Mm-hmm. That is why we read books. Yeah. Yeah, the Zori, the Zori stuff was cool. I, I, I enjoyed kind of because you're like, yeah, how the hell did she get off here? It's nice to... Nice. Uh, we ultimately know that. Well, how she showed back up and why Babu Frick was with yeah. her. I thought he died for a second. Yeah. I was no. Like, oh God. Yeah. No, I know. I felt that way when I, I was oh, like, no. "Oh my God! God forbid <laughs> something happens to Babu Frick. Yeah. Like he is the sweetest." Oh God. Yeah, we but may see some more of him. Hey, hey. Or Holly, is there any any <laughs> other other items that you wanted to touch um, on? Or? I think the only other thing that I really had written down that I thought was kind of important to talk about. Um, other than uh, we just talked about Zori Bliss a little bit, and I mean, her we saw her friend make a big sacrifice to make sure mm-hmm. that she got off the yep. planet, which I thought was really that was cool. Yeah. Cool, I mean, <laughs> but um, I also had a note about how the novelization kind of really makes it more explicit. The Finn is force mm-hmm. sensitive, yep. and he has a lot of yeah, he has um moments where he senses a force on Pasana and Exegol and most of those force senses that he has are connected to Ray. Yeah. Which I thought was really important. And I would like to think I mean I know probably we know that John Boyega and Daisy Ridley are not coming back to the Star Wars franchise, but maybe in a book or a comic series somewhere, I would like to see them kind of expound on what happens to Finn after the sequel trilogy, because I would like to see maybe him start to develop a little bit more force ability. And I think Mm -hmm. that he would be really awesome because he has such a true heart. And I think he's one of those characters who, you know, he started out in a bad place. Yeah. He was with the First Order. Like, that's not a great place to be. And he kind of defected from that because he realized, like, these are not my people. Yeah. I goes back Finn so much. I know. It goes back yeah. to the Found family. And I would just love to see his development after this now that he's kind of come out to Ray and Poe about, like, hey, guys, like, I mm-hmm. think I have this ability. Like, what do I do next? Can I, can I tell you guys, so after I read this book, I, I had a moment where I could see this story continuing. Yes, I want it to continue. I want to see Ray create an academy and all this stuff. But I had a moment after reading this book. I was like, holy shit. I could see Disney straight up turning Ray, Ray falling, and ultimately saying, it is your your destiny. Like, you are, you are darkness. And Finn and yeah. her having to confront each other after having found each other and and Finn not giving up on her. I don't know if that would be too repetitive, but like I could actually see that happening and them trying to bring back fans who, who wanted Ray to turn, who wanted to see more from Finn. I don't know why I had that moment after reading this book. Cause I don't actually really, I really want Ray. And I think she is kind of that she's the straight and arrow, but I'm like, Wow, that would be pretty interesting. I, I don't know if anyone would want to watch it, but I would. I had some I stuff would. going in my mind. Can I throw this in? Like, I want to like kind of direct this at Brent as well too, because he seems to be the diode pro of us all. But <laughs> I thought it was really. <laughs> we love you, brother. Um, I thought it was really crazy how they said that Master and Prentice had that diet, but I don't remember it being ever like focused on until this book as well either with, I mean other than just like the whole explanation of it so like we understand like with 
I mean, I we talked about blood and then eventually making and making that. But when they were talking about Master and Apprentices always having that diet too, I, that, that blew my mind because then I started thinking about Sis and why they always turn on each other and why, like, why wasn't Obi-Wan and Anakin more powerful together if they had maybe a diet? That's, I just, because you're the diet expert, bro. So I had a question for you. Well, it wasn't that they had the diet. They were just always trying to form it. And they were never successful, yep. which is why, and that was, you know, why they got to the rule of two and that why they would always, you know, they would always be looking for a stronger apprentice if they felt that the one they had was weak or the apprentice would reach that point where, you know, that master is not strong enough anymore and I'm not learning anything and I need to get you out of my way. And that, you know, so you, but yeah, they never actually formed the dyad, but it was their goal. So I went, I went in on this. Okay. Because she did. My friend Caitlin and I went in on this because it was driving us nuts. <laughs> Um, so they really shot themselves at the foot with this diet thing. Let me tell you, because they, so the, the new like Star Wars book that came out recently from Lucasfilm Mm -hmm. said that, um, let's see, that you can only force heal if you're in a diet, big whoopsie, um, and that they're also extremely rare. So, (sighs) okay. Um, <laughs> I just, I, there were more dyads in the original, like, you. Yeah. So, does that mean that maybe it wasn't a dyad? Could be. That's my concern. Also, I just, they, if they were going to do it, I think they should have threaded it, like, through the whole thing. Yeah. Um, not just drop the word dyad on us in the last movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, I mean, like, it's a cool concept. Um, I like it. But I just think that you you can't have it be explicitly rare or, like, you can only do, like, certain force powers within a yeah. certain thing. If I, I don't know. I think it's just super limiting. And I don't know. So did so did Din develop a diet with uh, Grogu? No, I don't Grogu think he's force sensitive. maybe feeding? Okay. I, mean, I think I it's think someone Din else. Works. But who would okay, it be? Okay. I know that's my oh. thing. I don't know who it is, and now I'm nervous, and I don't want it. <laughs> this, um, I mean, he, he was creeping. He was Anakin, the person that was born the same year he was. Stop <laughs> it! Stop it! I mean, maybe makes sense. That would be crazy. That would that would murdered wow. all my friends. He did. That'd be my crazy. dad. He is. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. There's so much that may be a whole other podcast. Yeah, it's like I yeah. couldn't even hear what they said when they said "dyad" for the first time. I was like, "What was that? Uh, I, what were? How do you? Uh, can you use that in a sentence? Yes, please. please. Yeah, I don't. I don't know because uh, the di- dyad is so complicated. And you're right. Like, why bring it up in the final movie if you're saying this is something that has been around for a long time? Just because I understand. Like, everyone understands. Like, these movies and stories kind of change hands, and mm-hmm. so like, not everyone is always involved with building them. So you kind of have to. I don't know. People like to call it retcon fixing things that happened in the past or like going back and like adding extra details and that's kind of what like isn't fair about Mm -hmm. all this like no that's true digitalization of these movies is that we get different scenes in movies that you mean malarkey malarkey it's just like they can go back and change scenes so that you can see it in the theaters back in the 70s but now in 2000 and 21 it's a different scene that you're watching on disney plus and it's just like it it, sometimes it makes it really hard to keep up with i also want to say i think it's particularly unfair to ray because she's such a like feeling person that like now she feels like half her soul's gone i think that sucks yeah that does suck 
Yeah, I mean, it always will be with her. You know that that was yeah, she mentioned yeah. that at the end. So we'll see if we ever get that story. You know, maybe I don't know. Probably, I'd not, like it but, in a novel. I mean, they're never yeah. gonna come back. But like, yeah. I'd like in a novel. Yeah, I, like I would novels. too. I would yes. too. Guys, anything else? Uh, we've gone about a, an hour and a half now. Anything else you want to get off your chest about this novel? I did. A, I ha- I texted Holly about this because I was like, <laughs> she told me to write it down. I wrote it down. Um, so when Leia is talking about why she stopped being a, like training, yeah, she they specifically say um, that someone else will pick up her um, path, and at the pa- end of her path is mm-hmm. the death of her son. Yeah. So was that meant to say that she knew someone was going to eventually kill her kid and that Ray was going to kill her kid and she knew it? Yeah. I take issue with that. Yeah. I take a lot of issues with that. Um, doesn't seem like Leia. <laughs> Not my Leia. Um, but it just, it doesn't, mm-hmm. it's very specific wording. They didn't say like her journey, which is like a more broad term. They said her path or like, it, that's like straight and narrow one thing. So it just it's very specific wording and I think I thought that was weird. I don't remember what they said in the movie. I don't I, even know if they talked about that in the movie. Is I it, don't think it, they did. Is no, it just because did. she she gave up every not every I mean, you know what I'm saying? She gave up so much yeah. for her son and that and especially when he goes to the dark side, her purpose is to get him to the light. Yeah. And so she knows that ultimately That's what he's done, death. yeah, yeah is, there's no coming back from that. And she knows that. it's it, Maybe she's not seeing, it, you know, what's going to happen to him, but she knows that. And I think we all kind of knew that we were going to lose Ben at the end. It's unfortunate because he's cool, but it's like what he's done is kind of unforgivable. You can't come back from it's, yeah. how and many I think people she you murdered. Yeah. <laughs> and planets yeah. you blew up. And remember, I mean, she said, True. like, like when she sent Han to go get him, like you're yeah. his father. Like you, there's still light in him. It's yeah. like, and then he murders father. It's like, okay, I know that there really isn't any, yeah, any any saving him at this point. And and she, I mean, she says that to Luke too in the Last Jedi. Remember in the in the cave oh, at yeah. the end. He's like That's totally right. Like she's like, he's totally like done no with one's it. ever really gone, yeah. but she's accepted probably that that's the end of the path for him, and that's. And she can sense it now after everything that's happened to her. Like, it's my goal now is to bring Ben back to the light, even if he's dying in darkness. But, he, I mean, he makes the right ultimately choice. the choice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's, I don't know. Boy. Man, that would have been cool if he turned into blue butterflies, though. Well, maybe. Maybe they'll make a new a new rendition and he'll just become a blue butterfly or something. <laughs> they'll add that back in when they put it yeah. back on Disney Plus for the yeah. third time, right? He did he get, become one with force very quickly. Yeah. Like I it mean, was very fast. We Real all quick. said we didn't get the deleted scenes. I would have loved to yeah. have seen because we know from I mean, you can do a quick Google search and you can see yeah. how many things they filmed that didn't come in the movie. It's like why yeah. can't we get that? I Adam see Driver that. did say yeah. they did a whole different thing and he's like yep. and they filmed something else and I don't I literally don't even know what I just did. Yeah. Is what he oh, told God. someone on the plane. The Jedi's were in the back. Yeah. The Jedi's. All of them were standing behind yeah. Ray. It would have made so much more sense. Why didn't they do that? They have that. It why? leaves it so much more well, open-ended, though. Because only five, only five Jedi, not five, let's see. There's only a few Jedi that have actually figured out the full mastery of yeah. getting yourself to the Force Ghost. Yeah. So if you would have had all yeah. of a sudden all these people standing behind him, it's like, oh, well, obviously it wasn't that tricky. All these people That's that we thought true. were dead figured yeah. it out. And so, I mean, so you lose that. So I understand why they didn't do that maneuver. Um, yeah. But going back to Leia and, you know, the end of her path, I think, it, you know, what we've, 
what we've seen continuously in Star Wars is visions being misinterpreted or, yeah. you know, yeah. misunderstood. And it's like, you know, um, and I think that's, you know, similar to what Leia had or whatever, because it says, you know, because I think it's Luke that says it in the movie, um, but we get it from her in the book um, that, you know, at, she sensed at the end of her Jedi past, she sensed the depth of her son. Yeah. Um, so that's why she stopped the training. She figured, you know, if I never became a full Jedi, Yep. then my son's not going to die thinking that, you know, if she would have completed this earlier, that he would have gone, you know, even sooner than he did. Um, but technically at the end of her Jedi path, we did get the death of his son. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she, she passes, he pauses when he feels her go and then lay stabs him and kills him. Yeah. And then Ray just happens to bring him back to life. But, yep. you know, at the end of her path, we did get the death of his son. So she yep. foresaw it and, you know, had the correct conclusion just, so how you got there was incorrect. Similar with the way, you know, with the master apprentice, apprentice with Qui-Gon in the vision where, you know, he, yeah. he misinterpreted the way it was when he saw it, but his actions through making it happen actually came to fulfill the vision. Absolutely. So, you and know, just like choice out of fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that before with Anakin too, you know, Anakin had visions of his mom and of Padme dying and, I mean, you can't, I mean, take that with a grain of salt because then you ultimately make that, like, you fulfill that vision by trying to make it not happen. It's a Skywalker problem. It's a Skywalker It's a Skywalker problem. I did love, though, at the end, um, when Leia's, I, th- I think it's when she's passing, when she kind of says who she's given a part of herself to. And it was, I don't remember who exactly went. I, I know the solo part of her went to her son. Mm-hmm. She goes through and then. And, and, and Skywalker the, to Ray and the Organa to. Organa. Oh. The, yeah. I was just <laughs> like. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. I loved it so much. Although at the beginning of the novel, when she's reflecting on how she's been trying to train Ray, she does, you know, she does kind of feel like Ray is like a fresh start for her. You know, mm-hmm. I can do for Ray what I wasn't able to do for my yeah. son. Yep. Yeah. But. Guys, it's very tragic. It's very tragic. And I think it's, I mean, easy to say that we all loved it. We all really yeah. enjoyed it. Maybe not love is a strong word, but we really enjoyed the context that mm-hmm. was added. I think and, it helped out a lot. You know, I think that this is a really well done adaptation of yeah. the movie. And I think that I would encourage people who saw the movie and weren't really sure how they felt about it to read the novelization because I think yeah. it will give you a lot of information that wasn't given in the movie, and I think it will answer some questions and provide cl- some clarity for you, yeah. which it did for me, and I really appreciated that. Um, you know, I found it really hard to put... I mean, I read this in, what, two days? Yeah. Michael was like, download this so we can read this passage yeah. on another podcast, and then I couldn't, I couldn't stop reading it. Couldn't stop reading and it. I've seen the movie twice, like yeah. twice before I read the novel. I knew exactly what happened at the end of it, and I still couldn't stop reading it. So yeah. I just think this was really well done. I think Ray Carson has a good understanding of the sequel trilogy and the characters in it, and she really brought that to life and gave us some extra information that we were lacking in the film. I feel... I don't know. There's a lot of things that have made me feel really good on this podcast. Obviously, all of our guests and their input. The fact that you called me a good soul was one of the highlights of this episode, Holly. But I feel like I'm kind of nailing some of these suggestions. And it's like, I feel like a Palpatine in my own little way. And like, you're my little apprentice. And I'm just like... Here, Holly. Why am I here? Why don't you Why don't you nibble on this uh, Rise of Skywalker novelization, and then you couldn't put it down? Phrasing, uh, and the comics. It's, I love that we're the timing too. I don't know how this is happening. It's as if I'm 
I masterfully just like, you See, know, the puppeteer here. Don't but say that right the, now. Not a good idea. No. <laughs> Hold on a second. Okay, yeah. Do you mean to say that you were a host yes. of a podcast with yeah, a plan exactly. for yes. how the episodes will go? Well, right. don't, that's giving me too, cre- too much credit. I would rather call it destiny. Okay, let's just call it destiny. (laughs) Don't give me the credit. Uh We'll just say that it's the force. (laughs) You're walking your path. I'm walking the path. You know, I'm balancing the dark and the light and just trying to, you know, share it with my friends here. And guys, that's ultimately what we're doing here. This was a fantastic book club. I'm so excited that we we, we did this one. Um, I think we all really enjoyed it so much. uh, And uh, I know... Jory probably had a little more to say, but had to duck out early. But I, I think another favorite here, I think all of them have been favorites so far. Not really a bad book yet. Um, so I hope you guys enjoyed this. Yeah, absolutely. You got some all Easter right. eggs? Yeah, well, not really Easter eggs. Just a couple more little things that I thought were really cool yeah. um, that we got from the novelization. So when Leia finally passes and becomes one with the Force, yeah. they mentioned in the book that Luke was there waiting for her. Yes. To oh, accept her. Loved it. And there was somebody else. Come on. They don't say who. They don't is, say who. But I'm... I'm assuming it's Anakin because who else would be waiting there but her dad? Yeah, mm. which, yeah. I mean that would just would have been good pull. I, that would have been an awesome spot to throw Hayden Christensen into the movie. Good pull. He'd pull his Force Ghost right there to greet his daughter in, and uh, no words, no nothing. That would have been awesome. Yeah. And then uh, the other one I got is at the very end when uh, Ray is in Tatooine. Um, that she it says she goes through and it says she senses two generations had passed through here. And then she senses Anakin, which means that she sensed Shmi. Yeah. yeah. There. That's my girl. Yep. yep. And I'm like, dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Man, Skywalker writes. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That is, that was freaking awesome. Those were two awesome polls, Brent. I totally forgot about them mentioning that there's someone else there with her. And I think you're absolutely right. It, it makes sense. It, it wouldn't make sense to be anyone else. I, I mean, you could say Obi-Wan or something like that, but it makes I mean, more sense that her father was there to welcome yeah. her as well. Obi-Wan right? and Yoda did speak to her a little bit through the yeah. Force, the book said. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, if it if it's not Anakin, then my bet would be Obi-Wan. Yeah. 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 Well. And then, and then there's the wicked spot. Yes. Yes. <laughs> they give credit to C-3PO for yes. taking down. <laughs> They're gods. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. He's Absolutely. such a deity to them. I, lo- I love and that. I and thought he that doesn't was awesome. probably remember, though, which makes me sad. I know. I know. I think yeah, I like to think that R2 brought all R2 that back. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. From day one. They brought up Ewoks, too. Yeah. Yeah. Wicked. R2 is such a little shit because he knew everything that was happening the entire... like. Well, he knew everything. No one understands him, Holly. Yeah. I mean, except for Luke. So why doesn't Luke know? Anyway. Anyway. R2 could <laughs> be to blame for a lot of things. R2? He's but, an angel, so. Hey, sometimes. R2 he, did eventually tell everybody everything and spilled the beans. That's true. Because we find that out because Ray knows that Anakin built C-3PO, and the only person that would have been able to tell him that would have been R2. Yeah. So at some point, he spilled the beans on everything that went down. That's true. And Ray does have a way with droids, so it makes sense that a droid would inherently trust her and give true. her that information without her having to, like, make them. Never underestimate that was a, a Never yeah, underestimate that a That was another cool thing that, is, you know, they emphasize that even more, how much she loves the droids and, and was connecting with oh, them. Dio. Dio. I love yeah. Dio so yeah. much. He was great. Sweet droid. Uh, guys, I don't I don't think we can stop talking about, but we have to at some point. I, I really hope that you, you know, if you didn't check out this book, check it out. It's worth your while. Uh, Mark Thompson does a great audio version, but uh, if you're down to pick up a copy, uh, I'm sure your library has it as well. But this was a, a really fun read. 
Um, don't just think that these novelizations of the movies are throwaways because they are they are worth your time. And they, I mean, obviously, we just spoke for around two hours on just the extras in this story. Um, so it is worth your while, and I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you did, if you if you're listening on Apple uh, Podcasts or any other form, uh, give us a review. Uh, let us know that you're enjoying the podcast. Uh, if you enjoy a long, long form video content, go over to YouTube, subscribe, and like the video there. Uh, we're gonna do more and more as COVID gets better and better. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that it is. Um, we're gonna go back to some more of these formats with our friends, and and obviously have our our good patron friends here along as well but uh holly do you have any inclination like any idea what the next book could possibly rogue one that's that's not a bad idea uh pace said rogue one um i was thinking maybe one of the high republic novels i am conveniently finishing up the high uh the light (laughs) of the jedi so i would be Um, grateful but uh, i might actually take a page out of brent's book and yeah. put a poll in the oh, Facebook group. Democracy still lives, folks. Democracy still, still lives. lives. Yeah. And that way, you know, if you guys aren't able to donate um, to our Patreon account, then you can still listen to the episode and follow along with a book, yeah. and you'll know what book it is. Um, so we'll see. We'll let everyone know. We yeah. are doing these every other month now instead of monthly. Um, so it does give everybody enough time to get the book because yeah. I know some of these new books are a little bit harder to get out of the library yeah. right now. There's a long wait list. Um, sometimes you'll be on a wait list for two books, as Luke has told us, and mm-hmm. then you will get them both at the same time. Yeah. So um, we will be back with more information We will wait and that. see. But if you do want to contribute and you want to you have a say in it, go to our Facebook group there and there will be a poll. So you can uh, have your voice heard there. But, uh, guys, I appreciate all of our folks here that were joining us tonight. Um, uh, expect this episode uh, in, uh, I mean, if you're listening right now, obviously you're <laughs> expecting it right now. Uh, but we'll have a two-episode uh, this week, uh, which will be nice since we took this past week off. So it's nice that we had book club here. So uh, I appreciate you all listening. Uh, take care of each other out there. Love one another. Be kind. Don't use uh, ridiculous uh, comparisons uh, to uh, the Holocaust, as we know, that can get you in trouble. But just be kind to one another um, and love one another. And as always, may the Force be with each and every one of you.